0: (coughs) welcome back to our podcast within a podcast the newly installed dragon guarding the gate of mangum breeds we are three muggles who would absolutely trust crookshank's judgment my name is sarah i am joined as always by my co-host bj and spencer how are you all doing
1: Thoroughly amused at your intros this season, Sarah. It's been, been doing great there. Thank you. I've been devoting
0: a little more time to them. Um, so much we much appreciate it. I do what I can. Uh, we are on the very last chapter of the third book of Harry Potter.
1: And if it, it's become, now that we're on through three books, it's really becoming obvious when you hit a last chapter.
2: <laughs> yeah, quite. But, it's all post.
1: <laughs> There is a structure by which each last chapter in Harry Potter, Harry Potter novels is built, and this one follows it to a T. There
0: is always a conversation with Dumbledore. Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. Is, uh huh. There is
0: always a um, so well, a Gryffindor, Gryffindor, Gryffindor win Gryffindor. of the house cup at this point. Right.
1: Yeah. There, there is a life lesson in the conversation with Dumbledore. A, uh, potentially there is a, a right back. Yes.
0: Potentially a life lesson in a conversation with another professor or someone on campus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: there, there is confirmation that the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher is dead and/or gone in some shape or form.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then there is a the new encounter Dursleys. with the Dursleys. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Who we have successfully, for twenty chapters, forgotten exist.
1: Though with a nice little build, that Harry is starting to increasingly have the balance of their relationship shift in his favor.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, which we will, we will certainly get to. Um, Mm -hmm. So, we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap, Uh, we have BJ's wizard wheezes, newbies notes with Spencer, and increasingly BJ, house points are awarded, and then we have questions and queries.
1: We have a plan. Oh, good, thanks. And I, sir, I do hate to disappoint, but given the number of weeks that has taken us to go through this, I've entirely lost count of where your point total is, but...
0: Oh, that means I I automatically win. (laughs)
1: No, no, no. That's not the No, no, no. This bias. is much more like the IRS. This You <laughs> automatically lose. <laughs> this is, I will add this up after this video and we'll have it as a reveal at the start of the fourth book. Oh. Lovely.
0: I don't like a cliffhanger, Spencer. <laughs> I know you
1: don't. makes it all the more fun. This is, this
2: is like the, oh yes, you, you have turned in your final. Grades have to be submitted within the next couple of weeks. I might send out an email to let you know.
1: Right, enjoy
0: your summer. <laughs> Ugh, okay, all right. Um,
1: But, but, uh, based on what my last count was, I think if you can just skate through this on just regular meeting your time goal, I think you got it.
0: Okay. Um, Speaking of... What is
2: my time goal, BJ? I don't know. Uh, A lot happens in this chapter, so I feel like I should give you all of the time, but I'm gonna go with 145.
0: No!
1: (laughs) (laughs) At the last second, the surprise...
0: (laughs) Oh, shoot. Okay, I was ready for two minutes. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. Cut out three
1: sentences now.
0: Hmm. Let me scroll. <laughs> furiously scroll. While, while
1: Sarah does this, BJ, what can, what can you tell us about our sponsors? Um, we
2: are sponsored by uh, Broommakers Emporium. Uh, they have oh, yes. all of the latest brooms with the the best straw available um, from discardings from various... Uh, uh barns and stables that have been tied up with uh some twine and so you can get your your quality brooms that were definitely not to put together by children in china uh mailed to you directly
1: and bj i do believe we're, they're offering a new program now where a cat can actually drop off the order form for you as provided <laughs> by a godfather or other means so while in home during quarantine count on your pets to get your brooms delivered to you
0: okay i'm gonna pretend i've cut out enough <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, i don't think i actually
0: danced
1: danced have out. but we'll see all right well uh let me actually pull up the google timer i was so excited i forgot
0: <laughs> bj this is the most slytherin thing you've ever done <laughs> it really is delightful every okay. so often
1: okay uh the timer is ready the accelerated goal is set sarah are you ready sure okay after you
0: so Harry and Hermione have to hightail it back to the infirmary, overhearing Snape and, Fuzz, Snape and Fudge discussing the Dementor's Kiss with glee as they go. They meet Dumbledore and let him know that Sirius and Buckbeaker both safe. As Madame Pomfrey tries to actually care for them, they hear the distant, furious howl of McNair as he discovers that Sirius is gone. Snape, also furious, comes hurtling into the sick board with Fudge and, Dumbledore, Fudge and Dumbledore spouting all kinds of actually true accusations. Fudge is appalled at Snape, Dumbledore lies through his teeth, and Madame Pomfrey attests to them having been in her care the whole time. Ron finally wakes up with no idea what's going on. All three are released from the hospital the next day, and Hagrid finds them to tell them the good news about Buckbeak escaping, but also Lupin's packing. Snape lets slip to the Slytherins that Lupin is secretly a werewolf. Harry sets off to see him, but Lupin just wants to know about Harry's Patronus. He's also rescued Harry's invisibility cloak, and as an ex-teacher, has no moral compunction about giving Harry the Marauder's Map back. Dumbledore comes in to see Lupin off, and then berates Harry for thinking none of the last night made any difference. Harry finally remembers Trelawney's prediction, and asks Dumbledore, about it, turns out Trelawney has made one other real prediction before. Dumbledore also assures him that saving Sirius is not nothing and that it was a noble thing to save Pettigrew. Plus, Pettigrew now owes Harry, which is not something Voldemort wants from his servants. He also doesn't laugh at Harry for thinking his dad cast the Patronus. Gryffindor wins the House Cup. On the Hogwarts Express, Hermione reveals she's given up the time-turner and she tries to explain to Ron how to make a phone call. Eventually, something turns up outside the train window, a very tiny owl holding a regular-sized letter. They bring it inside, Crookshanks is intrigued, and open the letter to find a note from Sirius, who sent him the Firebolt, is in hiding with Buckbeak, provided Harry with a Hogsmeade permission slip, and gifted Ron the tiny owl to replace Scabbers. Crookshanks confirms the owl is an owl, and when they get back to London, Harry gets to tell the Dursleys that he has an escaped convict wizard godfather.
1: And this, the final round of this book, of your two-minute challenge, what will likely decide whether you get the ultimate cup or not, or whether BJ gets to assign a punishment for the next book. You finish this with one minute, 44 seconds, and 74 oh milliseconds. God. 74 milliseconds.
2: Ravenclaw till the end.
1: Good God,
2: Sarah.
0: Well, okay, we can move on now, I suppose. <laughs> so that happened. And... Okay. Holy Toledo um BJ Run. would you wheeze about something else while I wheeze myself uh, into an early grave over to, here
2: to do some wheezing um unfortunately as as we have come to expect the later chapters do not have anything entertaining in terms of words pr- pretty much um and while this was somewhat expected um I did like a couple of things that happened um my favorite was when Trelawney actually had a divination and Dumbledore looked mildly impressed and it was just like well that clearly isn't supposed to happen we have divination here and it's not actually supposed to net us anything well oh it did I guess I should probably bump up her salary since she has been successful twice thoroughly amused Um, but for most of it it just sort of seems like uh, divination is the butt of all jokes I mean it's kind of like sex ed I guess where it's just like eh it's there because it has to be there but no one actually really learns anything um but yeah i don't understand dumbledore just bald-faced lying to everybody um given sort of his previous character it seems like he should have been able to do this without lying through his teeth um and just giving like very misleading statements um so i will say that that seemed not very in character and i'm kind of disappointed um, the other thing that I was going, that I need to wheeze about, actually there are two. Um, one is um, I'm going to post something into our chat, which you guys should definitely take a look at. Um, did you know that not infrequently sleeping baby owls uh, will oh. basically sprawl with their legs out, lying face down?
0: <laughs> this is uh, everything I've ever wanted.
1: Yeah, My world has changed as a result of this.
2: Um, so I feel like you and every one of our listeners needs to do this Google search and find out that no, it's not sort of every single one, but it does sort of happen, especially when they're like, not quite right-sized and fluffy, um, and they sort of need to grow into all of their things. Also that owl legs are kind of disturbing just like in a general sense that they exist and they're as long as they are.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, also that they are as fluffy, frequently as fluffy as they are. Um, yes. and I would, this, what this reminds me of, um, and I have been trying to clean up my language on the podcast recently, um, so please <laughs> excuse me, but there is a, um, sort of text, um, a, a picture of, I think a Twitter post maybe, or, or whatever, going around social media, um, that has an owl sitting with its legs crossed, um, mm-hmm. that says, uh, you know, who knew that owls can sit crisscross applesauce? And, uh, the reply to it is just, it's always something new with these motherfuckers, (laughs) which makes me so happy. (laughs) Um, so I would like to say in response to this Google search, it's always something new with these motherfuckers. (laughs) It's looking at this just
1: vast array of Google images of owls. It's like, it's like owls discovered planking a few years too late. These guys are just (laughs) utterly flopped.
2: Yep. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to uh, rant about a little bit uh, or wheeze about a little bit um, is so there is a company in Israel um, that is like the was or was one of the early slash major cell phone carriers. And they made a um, I think their the uh, name was Pelophone. And it also kind of means like wonder phone. And so that was what Felitone uh, reminded me of, which was thoroughly amusing. But now it's like, kind of like uh Kleenex R in English. It's now mm. like in the lexicon.
0: That is the thing that it says it is. Yes. Um, may I add something to your wheezes Please. that I discovered today on my reread of the chapter? Um, I don't know if it's in your, are you both reading on the Kindle versions at this point?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: So they might have fixed it in the Kindle version, but there is a typo in my hardback version on page 428 in which um, Dumbledore is talking to Harry about his um, Patronus and Mm -hmm. um, about, it's the kind of section where he's saying, you know, you think the dead we loved ever truly leave us, which is like Mm -hmm. an iconic line in the series, blah, blah, blah. And then... Um, the next paragraph is it took a, took a moment for Harry to realize what Dumbledore had said.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: In my version, it says it took a moment for Harry to realize what Dumbledore had said.
2: Nope. We have door, not four, but that is amazing. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Also, I, told, I told Terry this afternoon when I was doing my notes, I said, I found a typo in the book and he came to look at it under the assumption, as many typos are, that there could be some room for interpretation as to whether it was mm-mm. correct or not. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> this is wrong.
2: Um, and I will highly recommend if you've never seen it, uh, there is a piano player comedian named Victor Borga mm-hmm. that does um, inflationary reading.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. I think um, you've and mentioned that's what that this before. Reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> very funny. Um, so, Spencer, newbie, notes. Ah, you're newbie. Uh, uh, you know,
1: this was nowhere near as long as the last chapter, but good lord, do I have notes! Really helped by the fact that this chapter exists. That oh wait, there were a few plot lines I didn't resolve. Let me resolve them in a trailing letter. We'll get there in a minute. <laughs> Uh, point number one, I find it very revealing what Fudge and, about their characters, about what Fudge and Snape are most excited about doing that evening when we start this chapter off. Mm-hmm. Fudge wants to inform the press about catching Sirius Black, reveals, you know, he's the consummate politician. He's been dealing with negative press the entire time. It's the main thing he cares about. This finally lets him put this crisis to bed and move on with doing nothing and making it look good. Uh, Snape, on the other hand, is most looking forward to having someone's soul eaten in front of him, probably while he takes pictures. I would say one particular person's soul eaten in front of him. Yes. Yes. That makes it all the better, and I'm not sure what noun we want to assign to him for that.
0: Probably not a good one. I've put my ban on bad language back, so I can't say anything about
1: this. <laughs> he seems like a vulture. Mm. His physical description more than more than matches a vulture.
0: And he did so, have a uh, grandmotherly vulture hat on earlier in this book. This is true. So if we go with all
2: of the professors are actually dinosaurs. <laughs> He's clearly some sort of like late raptor.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yes.
2: That can't quite fly yet, but definitely has a lot of uh, feathers and tries flopping around every so often.
0: And mm-hmm. probably one that can still spit venom at you.
2: Yeah. Oh, that one. Yep. But definitely has a waddle.
1: Oh, absolutely! Again, again, someone among our listeners, please get on this. We want to see this version of the story told <laughs> all Dinosaur Cast. Uh, Hermione's response to "What will happen if we don't get inside in time?" I think really summarizes the author's opinions about time travel. Of <laughs> where Hermione just says, "I don't want to think about it," and no, nothing else is further said in the conversation. Yeah, J.K. Rowling didn't want to think about it either. <laughs> nope. I have said something, I'm sticking with it, don't ask me to to really consider it anymore. Uh, I really want to see, if there's a short story out there that summarizes Dumbledore's personal nightly journal while these stories are happening, I would love to see his just like end note for this story. It's got to be something like, today I did nothing and yet got everything I wanted done and it was glorious, because the man is so smug that all of his plans are coming to fruition right here, right now, despite the fact, by all appearances, he did nothing.
2: Also, the amount of effort and worry that goes into making sure that, you know, he can just nudge things in the right directions is probably some hilariously complicated spell, and that's why he can't remember, like, the song from the previous year.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, the, the man is running on a Rube Goldberg machine to make all of this happen, and that's just the only way he knows how to work. And you know, I, I guess at a certain point we can't fault his results. I'm almost hoping at some point we will be able to fault his results because these are all kinds of plans that are just built on a house of toothpicks. Not even cards, toothpicks. Uh save that one for later. Uh, we get to hear about a new spell I did not heard of before, Disapparation. Uh, well, you to... would,
2: you've heard it before. Yeah. This was when we were talking about uh, flu powder uh, very early on.
0: And, and, and we have also gotten the rule that within Hogwarts Grounds you cannot apparate or disapparate.
2: And that's why they had to have the password or whatever.
0: Um, Gotcha. And why they also travel by train or you will see um, like dignitaries and things traveling in by um, like carriage or or broomsticks or or something. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, I love that Snape, the moment he realizes Sirius Black is gone, has only one thought in his head. Everything else is gone. His world is collapsing around him, but he is dead certain of one thing. He doesn't know where, he doesn't know how, he doesn't know when, but it has something to do with Potter.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's almost tropey it. at this point.
1: Yeah, so you, you almost feel bad for the man at a certain point. He has worked hard to be an evil, unpleasant bastard, and he is just continually thwarted by a correction of, by a collection of kids, as if there was, was Scooby Doo.
2: <laughs> so, how much of this is? Do you think he's just used to saying Potter, like? <sighs> Fifteen years ago, and you know, just, it's just never muscle
0: memory at this point. It, exactly.
2: Yeah. Like, and at every time, in like past years, when Harry wasn't in his class, all of the students would just be like, "There's no one named Potter." Like, what is with you?
1: <laughs> you know, aided by the fact as we learn later in this chapter that apparently Harry is just the spitting image of his dad, mm-hmm. which helps explain a little bit, possibly, why. Snape just utterly despises this man, given apparently how rough his treatment of was by uh, James Potter.
2: I mean, you can almost see him green with envy.
1: You the friggin' green jokes. Um, how many <laughs> green jokes is this now? I'm going to someday understand these. Um, next point. Just fudge. Just really. You never dreamed. It never even occurred to you that dementors might try to, you know, eat a child. That's kind of what they do, man. This is not surprising. And I love that his new plan for security of the school dragons
0: this uh well while we are not finished with seeing dragons in this series uh this plan does not come to fruition (laughs) i'm
1: both disappointed and also from a legal liability standpoint overjoyed
0: (laughs) oh my god can you imagine being a wizard lawyer spencer i have questions about this for a different day
1: (laughs) i mean i think they call them lizards I mean, hell, just from a legal standpoint of unpacking what exactly this, you know, kind of pact that forms with someone who you saved the life of, good God, the legal implications of that'll be fun. But we'll get to that one in a second, too. Uh, qu- uh, of course, this being Harry Potter, uh, there's no way our characters can have a complete win. Uh, so Snape still has to find a way of getting some measure of satisfaction, which in this case is somehow fulfilling the prophecy that we will never end this book with the same Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher that we had at the beginning, which is sad. You know, as as much as he had faults, and we got to learn quite a few of them as this tale went on, Lupin was awesome and was clearly the best Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher they've ever had, and was clearly really important to Harry's development in this book. And it's sad that we've lost him, but I guess I should be happy that we've had a certain degree of improvement, that over the course of these three books, we've gone from Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher is dead, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher has permanently lost his memory, and now he just resigns.
2: Well, so we've gone from defense against the dark arts teacher is practicing the dark arts to defense against the dark arts teacher basically can't do magic to defense against the dark arts teacher is a werewolf, but like is competent.
1: competent. Yes. Which means, what does what this even portend for the next book?
2: Um, that it's uh, self-study, self-directed <laughs> study and it's upper level.
1: Probably. Yeah, let's complete that college experience in that way. Uh, do we know what Trelawney's other prediction was? I was trying to remember that. We do not. Interesting. I'll just pick, place a pin in that, because that was, that was yeah. interesting to see that Dumbledore kind of, sort of has the same opinion about Trelawney that everybody else does, but he's conscious enough of the fact that there is a kernel of actual ability here. There is an element of magic about the weirdness that, and you know, sh- and... and performance that is her character.
0: And this does um, give us some insight, and we learn this later, I don't think it's really a spoiler though, but it does give us some insight into why Dumbledore actually hired her.
1: On the off chance that there would be a second actual prophecy at some point down the line? I mean,
0: he knows she did one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is
2: probably more than pretty much anybody else, Mm -hmm. and also I wonder if it's a good way to make sure that it's encapsulated.
0: And potentially a good way to make sure that, yeah, she is kept under his eye. Maybe.
2: Because mm-hmm. maybe there's a way to essentially force her into predictions that isn't so clean and healthy. And that's why she is essentially locked in a tower, presumably of her own volition. But we'll see.
1: Man, you're taking that a dark pathway. Mm-hmm. Possible, though. I it's, it's unfortunate that if she has this ability, we, get, we have two problems with it. One, like any other prophecy in any work of fiction over the last 20 years, or 30 years, it is utterly useless. This is the kind of prophecy that, as shown, the characters can only successfully unpack after it's already happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And point number two, it's apparently entirely random where it occurs. Like, of all the various things that she could predict, this one, while important to the character that heard it, not necessarily overwhelmingly important to the world at large.
2: See, what you're saying is these revelations are very unclear.
1: Yes, literally, that is what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, well, I'm going to ask about the certain Bond thing here in questions, but I'm, I enjoyed that, you know, kind of fitting a lot of the end chapters or chapters that Dumbledore takes part in, we have a very much Lord of the Rings moment between him and Harry of where he essentially quotes Gandalf talking to Frodo about the idea of, yeah, you did a merciful act and it looks bad now, but... I validate your mercy, and it will probably have a positive role, ultimately, in the resolution of this story. It's very much a classic fantasy trope here, and I'll be curious to see how it works out with Pettigrew, which we're going to go into questions about how this certain Bond thing works here in a minute. Uh, do... It's It's kind of weird to have Dumbledore's explanation of why prongs magically appeared when the whole Patronus thing was done. It's kind of the your parents are always with you explanation, which I've never really liked as a story trope, but it's here. Would it
2: Uh, make you feel better if we just said it was basically a force ghost?
1: Not really, no. (laughs) At least I'd have a different trope I'm not as fond of to assign it into, but... uh, Did Hermione score a... Did I write this down right? She scored a 320 on her test. Yes. Yes. Do do British grades work different than American grades? Nope. There are too many bonus points on this test. Yes. I mean... This is the kind of thing of where it's strongly suggesting that the rest of the class who presumably aren't from the muggle world just do that bad. There have to be that many bonus points available so that there are passing grades.
2: Either that or she took it like four times and it was accidentally a a cumulative test rather than an (sighs) average.
0: I don't think Hermione would do that. (laughs) We also though don't have a lot of evidence that wizards are great at math so maybe. We don't have we don't have evidence
1: that wizards are great at anything other than very specific specializations of magic. Fair. Uh, we hit a very cozy exit to time travel, which I'm almost just imagining the end to you know, the uh, Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant, of where it's just placing it on a little, pa- a little pallet and just putting it into that vault. Because <laughs> it basically just says, I'm no longer taking that course, therefore I returned it. And based on what you told us last time, Sarah, I'm guessing we never see it again.
0: I think we might briefly see time turners again, but we never see time travel again.
1: Even better. <laughs> uh, as you noted, we get the most adorable determined owl ever, and I really hope we get to see in the movie a tiny little... <laughs> I, minute I, owl. I, said, I, said, I, said, I was going to say it again. I caught myself about to say minute owl again. Uh, to, you know, desperately trying to keep up with the train and tapping on the window, trying to get the idiots to open the window for it. <laughs> Uh, it's most deter- determined adorable owl ever, even the picture at the start of this chapter is adorable, and I desperately want one. And then we get a letter. And this letter is like her editors reminded her, Hey, you never answered these four questions in the book. How about you answer them now? As we, in just rapid fire, get the resolution for where the Firebolt came from. Get the resolution for how Sirius Black could have bought the Firebolt. Get the resolution to confirm who was the wolf at the start of the story get Ron a new pet again and oh yeah let's also wrap up Hogsmeade just cause.
0: I know but my it favorite part fast. of all of that is Crookshanks taking the delivery, the I order form, to, so <laughs> to
1: mm-hmm.
0: the post office. You know but, you know the bottle rush tail was held high.
1: Oh yeah, proud and just sitting on the counter just brushing everything aside <laughs> until it's paid attention to.
2: And, and just and it's like a sopping wet order because it's been carried in the mouth and just like essentially coughed up on the counter and it's just like, you need to deal with this
1: now. Right, it's like like when it drops stuff on the counter and to stop it from blowing away, Crookshanks just has a mouse handy to place on top of it to keep it from flying off.
2: Or just sits on like a corner of it and like turns his back and is like, I know you have to deal with this and now my butt's been on it. Have fun with that.
1: (laughs) It does complete my prior theory that basically every major plot point in the story was driven directly by Crookshanks. This just kind of wraps that up. True. I. I also just love how utterly beholden to only himself Dumbledore is that a note from a convicted felon who's on the lam is going to be indisputably enough to get Harry permission to go to Hogsmeade. No questions are going to be asked about where it come from, where, how, how he got it, anything else, just it's a note, it says this, good for me.
2: Well, is is it Dumbledore that's going to get it? I thought it was a, a house by house thing.
0: It probably will be McGonagall. And um, I think
2: McGonagall, have questions. well, I think McGonagall essentially just wants an excuse to be like, okay, this is technically by the book.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so spoiler, Harry gets to go to Hogsmeade.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I think it, it, McGonagall is mostly like, I can't pull a Dumbledore, but I am pulling for like rooting for my house and everybody in it.
1: Yes. You, this letter, if this ever got into Snape's hands, is enough to get Harry convicted of aiding and abetting. This letter is not... You don't want this letter to stay in your possession for long, man. But apparently, he's going to submit it in official channels so he can go have root beer. Sure. Works. Mm-hmm. Fine. Butter beer. Whatever. <laughs> uh, that, that actually wraps up my newbie's notes. Uh, Sarah, in this end chapter of end chapters, who won, who lost?
0: Well, I think I'm that... I'm going to th-
2: make a prediction. Go ahead, BJ. I'm going to make a prediction that Snape loses this chapter.
0: In fact, that was exactly where I was going to begin (laughs) with this round of winners and losers, BJ. Yes, um, Snape is spitting mad, I would say, and he has lost his order of Merlin. Uh, Sirius is not Dementor kissed. Uh, Not only that, but he is gone and missing. Um, Dumbledore has infuriated him. Harry has infuriated him. He seems to be mad at everyone
1: to the point of when Harry's actually now seriously concerned that Snape might might try to kill him. We've reached that point in their relationship. That's how bad things have gotten.
2: And assumes that Dumbledore basically interceded on his behalf so he did not fail potions.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes.
2: Unsurprising.
0: Unsurprising. But winners. Winners, we have far more options because we are in a final chapter.
2: I'm going to put my two cents in for Dumbledore.
0: Okay uh can you give me your reasoning
2: uh he has forced the the triumvirate trio to do all sorts of insane things with a semi reasonable amount of help and has utterly confused basically every other single (laughs) adult that we have met and i'm pretty sure that is his only goal as headmaster
1: We're we're basing this on level of improvement chapter to chapter to chapter. That is background fact when it comes to Dumbledore. (laughs) He exists in a state of doing that.
2: Yes, but at at the beginning of, I guess the beginning of the chapter, he hadn't quite succeeded in all of them. But he pretty much does by opening a door once.
0: He gets to look (laughs) smug a lot in this chapter. Oh, yeah.
1: and makes no effort to hide it either it's just one of those things that with, again, this very, you know, single plot line kind of time travel, he knew from the moment that he he knew from the moment he closed the door, he'd already succeeded.
2: And I feel like that's a better testament to how much his chapter (laughs)
1: improves from the beginning. (laughs) Sarah, what's your opinion on it?
0: I think that that is a an excellent choice. It is hard at the end of these books to get away from Harry being the winner. Um... (sighs) However, I would just like to point out um, two other options. One Ron of has whom a new pet. is Ron, <laughs> who has, for approximately the first time ever, other than getting his new wand, gotten a nice thing.
1: Yeah, which dark wizard is this?
0: <laughs> um, well, listen, this owl is Crookshanks approved.
1: This has gotten
0: a cat's is true? gown mm-hmm.
1: and been. Oh, you ow, know. oh, <laughs> ow! Jesus, well done.
0: Um, I would also like to point out how happy Hagrid is. Oh, yeah. I realize it comes at the middle of this chapter, but still. Mm-hmm.
1: In terms of, like, overall build from, like, if you take a character from what there's their lowest point in the story, Hagrid had, like, the lowest of any character in this damn book at various moments. Mm-hmm. So the fact he is ending just giddy and happy and everyone's alive, massive improvement.
0: But I will say, coming in at the end with my decision, which is mine alone and final, um, mm-hmm. It is hard to get beyond Harry's glee mm-hmm. in telling the Dursleys about Sirius. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Apart from anything else that happens in this chapter, I don't think we can discount that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So perhaps third book in a row. I can't remember where we landed on the other two books, but I can't imagine that it wasn't Harry in the last yeah. chapter. Uh, I am, I am continuing on with the tradition. <sighs> You know, it
1: does the the series does have his branding. There's a certain point of where you can predict he's going to be the ultimate winner before this is done.
0: We'll, we'll see if that continues in future books.
1: Oh dear, they're getting to get dark before th- before
2: oh, uh, yes. to the end. Oh yes, they, they get to be uh, older teenagers, so badder things ah. can happen.
0: I was also going to, um, bring up because we are, and I know we have questions coming up, but, um, we are kind of on that point. We are moving into the fourth book, um, for our next episode. And I was reading, and I will be interested to talk with you all about this as we continue to go through, but I was reading a theory the other day that we actually should not discuss the seven Harry Potter books as a whole series that we should actually think about them as two trilogies connected by a transition book, um, with the first three books forming a trilogy, transitioning with the fourth book, and the last three books forming a trilogy. Interesting. Okay.
1: So so what would that tell us about this particular book, then? That it is in some way disconnected from the rest of the narrative, or at least linking the two narratives together?
0: It's kind of a
2: finishing of a trilogy of the uh, grade school wizard
0: yeah and the yeah the kind of i would say the kind of younger years um the not
2: would you say it's the wonder years
0: <laughs> i wouldn't but you can bj yeah.
2: um
0: the kind of lower i realized that we kind of met voldemort in one of the books and met a memory of voldemort in the second and dealt with peter Pettigrew and all kinds of other things in this book but the kind of lower stakes um, that these three first books would be a little bit of the lower stakes book, books, um, not least because as we have talked about, uh, ad nauseum, Dumbledore has a pretty good handle on what's going on.
1: Are you suggesting that we're going to reach a point where Dumbledore is not in complete control of every situation that he's a part of?
0: I don't know, Spencer, but that is a key feature of these first three books.
1: Indeed it is, to the point that it is almost reaching the point of mockery. So it's going to be fun to see a transition from that.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So anyway, I would like, I don't know, I I was struck by, I haven't given, I haven't completely thought through that theory of thinking about how to think about these seven books. But I would, I don't know, I'd like to kind of revisit it a couple of times as we continue to go through the books and see what we, what we think about it, because I think there's something there.
2: Well, that sounds like a plan. Excited to uh, see where that leaves us in four books. But yeah, I think it's definitely something interesting to keep in mind. And obviously there are some things that are going to happen in the next couple of books, which I think are going to make a very uh, distinct impression that they are very different from the first
0: three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to derail us with that. Um, questions and queries?
1: Uh, well, one I referenced already, this kind of Bond thing that Dumbledore references as forming between two wizards when one saves another's life. hmm is this a kind of magical thing in the same way as like when a wizard gives their life out of absolute love for another? Is this kind of one of those
0: uh, spell
1: so. things?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's related to that. Um, and it gets drawn into some discussions that we have later that are about that kind of like um, more more natural, more fluid magic that seems to kind of underlie everything, but have been has been kind of gotten away from in the more formal magic that like is being taught at Hogwarts, for example. Um, Mm -hmm. There is something that we see later called um, an unbreakable vow, which we will learn about um, not for a couple of books, I think, but it, (laughs) it's the kind of really highly formalized version, I think of, of something that we're seeing here. So we actually get kind of two sides of that, which I think is sort of interesting.
1: Well, not to just needlessly theorize, but given the number of times in this book where we kept on hearing that uh, Snape owed James Potter his life, mm-hmm. did something like that kind of form between the two of them?
0: I don't know. Oh,
2: Jesus.
1: <laughs> <sighs> Writing that one down. What
0: would you have,
2: Um PJ? I actually don't have much because I know that either Trelawney's other prediction will come up or it won't. And if it comes up, it's going to be important. Um <laughs> So you,
0: you have accurately predicted all of those things.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Unlike Trelawney. So uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's sort of a closing chapter and we've wrapped up pretty most of the points and uh, any other questions I have, I know are plot questions. Sure.
1: Okay. I've never, I'm never afraid of being told I'll have to wait to hear later. (laughs) So let me, let me try uh, a couple more. This one's just more of a question of opinion, but, we have seen several moments in this book that several of the other professors are at least mildly frustrated at Dumbledore and how he goes about his business. I don't imagine ever all of them, uh, you know, get as angry at Dumbledore as Snape does. But is Dumbledore well liked among the faculty, or is there a certain element of frustration about his cavalier attitude for how he is the headmaster?
0: I oh I don't know. I mean I think I think honestly a lot of the prof all of the professors including Snape, although he wouldn't admit it, think that Dumbledore is brilliant and that's why he gets leave to do so much nonsense. But I would imagine that like in their day-to-day operations with him that they just roll their eyes at him like a lot.
1: Because it, it, it's like, you know, Snape, you know, he does a lot of extracurricular activities to be a bastard, but most of these guys come across as being much more consummate professionals than Dumbledore even ever pretends to be. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a weird kind of personality mix when it comes to the headmaster and then all of the actual teachers.
0: Yeah, I mean, we see, honestly, we see very few other professors. We have seen very few other professors actually interact with Dumbledore. I mean, we've seen McGonagall a couple of times, Snape, obviously, and then Hagrid just fawns over Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's not really a fair barometer. But who else have we actually seen interact one-on-one with Dumbledore? Uh,
1: Pomfrey a few times.
0: Yes, yes. And Madame Pomfrey does. While she seems to respect Dumbledore's magic and does not have any time for him interfering mm. with her work.
1: Mm-mm. Um, but yeah, it's, I think I mean, was, there, there's been even several teacher meetings in the past that Dumbledore just didn't even take part in. So that yeah. may be all we really have so far. But. Be curious to see more as we go as we go forward. Well, Lupin too, who's just so utterly intimidated by him, it's hard to get an honest opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lupin, it was so just so grateful to be there in the first place, um, and knows that that was entirely Dumbledore's doing. that I don't know how you have like an equitable relationship at that point.
1: No, that's a problem. Really. But yeah, you know, as BJ noted, a lot of these are just explain the thing, tell me the thing, what is this <laughs> going to be a thing. I'll leave out the thing questions for now. Okay.
0: Um, do you have any other questions or are we ready to wrap up the prisoner of Azkaban?
1: I think we are done with book three. Uh, Sarah, I'm curious to ask on this, your 420th reread, how how many are we up to now? Oh, so actually,
2: before we get too much further, I do have a question that might not be plot intensive. Okay. Do we... Are we rid of the worst character of the Harry Potter series? Or does he come back?
0: Wow. Uh, Sadly,
1: I'm going to have to ask you to fill in the blank there. Percy.
0: Percy. Oh, no. Um, I, and this is like weirdly plot relevant, BJ, although there is no (laughs) way that you could have known that. Um, Percy features prominently in the next book. Interesting. And he is not better.
2: Interesting. So yes, yeah, so as Spencer was saying, so on your a twentieth three read though, it's curious that you picked up that number, Spencer. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: I'm cu- I'm curious to ask, given you've been doing a pretty deep dive with us through these stories, has your opinion or ranking of the first three changed?
0: Um, not the first three, I don't think, because it would always be except for the like pure love and nostalgia of reading the first one. Um, my ranking of the first. Three would always be the third, then the second, and then the first. Um hmm. but it's it is hard for me to say that just because like the first book is the first book.
1: Oh, it's iconic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how old were you when you first read that one? I was eleven.
0: I read them with Harry growing up.
1: There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that's just perfect. Yeah. That's gonna make the actually that's gonna make the the, for, the experience of the fourth one all the more interesting. Because <laughs> you were per, you were perfectly of age for it.
0: hmm Absolutely. Um and I will say I do think that the fir- that the fourth book is at at least now before having read all of the rest of them, um, still my favorite book. I like that transitional book. Interesting. Well, mm-hmm. I
1: think I'm definitely looking forward to it.
0: I'm curious to see what it
1: uh, reveals to
2: us, <laughs> and if we can. Change your perception.
1: I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to understanding all of BJ's green jokes. Whether I will find out in this book or not, I'm still looking forward to it.
0: Well, you'll oh, no be closer either. one way or the other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, this, is quite a, this is quite a bit of fun. We'll be coming back in probably like a week or two for the next chapter of, mm-hmm. for, of the fourth book, which is named... The Goblet of it? Fire. Oh, that's fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Is but it Harry that, Potter and? Harry Potter because and
0: the Goblet of Fire, yes.
1: What the hell is a Goblet of Fire?
0: Well, Spencer, that is highly (laughs) plot-relevant. Kind of similar (laughs) to a hot toddy. (laughs)
1: Well said. On that note, (laughs) hot toddies for everyone. Till next time, y'all.
0: Bye, guys. See ya.